Hello and welcome to Birkbeck Voices. I'm Louisa Ackerman and today I'm talking to Dr Dionysus Dimitrakopoulos from the Department of Politics about Brexit. He will be delivering a talk about why Brexit is un-British on the 28th of June at Birkbeck Stratford campus as part of our Big Ideas lecture series. This is free to attend but does require booking. I will leave the link to book a place in the description of this podcast. So it's a slightly contentious title. Why do you think Brexit is un-British? In a nutshell, it's un-British because the reasons that uh, we are told account for it are the results largely of the influence of successive British governments on the operation of the EU. In that sense, it's un-British because it goes against achievements of elected British governments at the European level. So which decisions are you thinking of in particular when you say that the result of the referendum is a result of the decisions made by our government? To the extent that Brexit and the outcome of the referendum is associated with immigration and enlargement, the first response to your question is that successive British governments have uh, successfully sought to enlarge the European Union to Central and Eastern European countries, but also other countries in the past. And they have also promised, both of the main parties have promised in the past, especially the Conservatives, both in 2010 and 2015, to make any effort they could make as the ruling party of the country to even include Turkey inside the European Union. The strategic objective of these governments was to dilute the European um, Union as far as they could, so as to make it less significant politically and more significant economically. So if uh, enlargement and the freedom of movement that uh, people from new member states enjoy are, as academics tell us, reasons why many British citizens voted against membership of the European Union, The decision to leave the European Union is un-British because these governments succeeded in enlarging the European Union and in promoting this particular kind of uh, immigration policy uh, across the EU. The second reason why it's un-British is that we are told people tried to uh, take back control of their own affairs, the management of the the, uh, country. which is also associated with a perceived lack of accountability and lack of transparency on the part of the institutions of the European Union. In response to that, I say this is a very un-British decision, Brexit is a very un-British decision, because when it comes to transparency at the level of the European Union, I can say that successive British governments have been the single most important opponent of any proposal that seeks to inject greater greater transparency in the operation of the European Union, both when it comes to day-to-day policy making, in particular the operation of one of the two main legislators of the EU, which is called the Council of Ministers, as well as, perhaps more importantly, the way in which the um, uh, rules of the game, the treaties themselves, are made. Perhaps the biggest opponent of 
the introduction of what is known as the European Convention, which is an open forum for discussion of the treaties and the content of the treaties, was the British government, which unsuccessfully tried to um, keep things under the control of uh, exclusively national governments and above all behind closed doors. The British governments of Mr Cameron and his predecessors have also been at the forefront of keeping things under tight control and uh, very limited transparency when it comes to uh, choosing some of the most important office holders of the European Union, like, for example, uh, the President of the European Commission. Uh, uh, Mr Cameron, for example, opposed uh, the uh, injection of greater democratic control on the choice of the President of the European Commission, which happened in a much more democratic way, in my view, in 2014. It's not a coincidence that Mr Cameron um, was willing to go out on a limb and be supported only by a far-right leader of Hungary, uh, Mr Orbán, despite knowing that he was going to lose the vote, despite knowing that what he was trying to achieve was against the treaties, that the government, uh, the the UK, had ratified in the past. So when it comes to transparency and lack of accountability, I think uh, it's a very uh, un-British decision. Uh, When it comes to taking back control, there's nothing in either the treaties um, or secondary legislation of the European Union, directives, regulations and so on, that prevents uh, uh, Westminster from holding the national government to account. So when a British minister goes to Brussels to negotiate uh, um, a new directive or a new regulation, um, the British constitution applies in the relationship between that particular minister and Westminster. If the constitutional arrangement changed, and it's not likely to, uh, and compelled government ministers to be held to account in a different way, in a tighter way, in a more parliament-friendly way, there's nothing in the rules of the European Union that prevents them from doing so. So um, the idea that one withdraws from the EU in order to to take back control in the parliamentary sense of the term is an oxymoron. Um, There has also been quite a lot of talk, both in the public domain and amongst academics, about uh, Brexit being the result of too much neoliberalism, or put in different ways, but the idea is the same, too much globalization. Well, I can tell you as somebody who has been working on uh, the politics of European integration for many years, that uh, there is no firmer supporter, no uh, more ardent supporter of neoliberalism and the politics of globalization in the EU than successive British governments, at least since 1979. One of the biggest successes, um, and this is a factual point, this is not a a value-laden point, of Mrs. Thatcher's government was not what she did at the national level, which is very controversial, uh, but the fact that she managed to use EU-level rules, what is known as the single market, in order to cement, to a large extent, reforms that she wanted introduced in the UK anyway. So it's an oxymoron to say, it's a contradiction in terms, that's the British way of putting it, Mm -hmm. Uh, to say that uh, there's too much neoliberalism in the EU 
and that's why the UK should withdraw when the what is known as too much neoliberalism is in fact the result of successes by successive British governments starting from Mrs Thatcher onwards. If you look at a number of policy areas, for example the uh, regulation of employment issues um, or the protection of the environment, quite often you will see that the UK was at the forefront of uh, attempts to either dilute Uh, um, efforts to make social regulation more robust at the level of the EU or was at the forefront of attempts to uh, uh, make what was already a very flexible uh, set of arrangements even more flexible, the idea being the more flexible the arrangements the more business friendly uh, uh, the marketplace will be so uh, in that sense too it's a very un-British Uh, a decision to withdraw from the EU for it being too neoliberal at a time when everybody knows, everybody who knows anything about the EU knows that successive British governments have been uh, at the forefront of attempts to make the EU even more neoliberal than it is at the moment. The final point is that um, Brexit, the decision uh, of the British people to withdraw from the EU, Uh, is very un-British in a very, sp- in a very uh, specific but additional uh, way. As somebody who comes from another member of the EU, but has come to admire the UK, which uh, of which I'm now a citizen as well, I have come to expect a significant degree of pragmatism, uh, both from the British people, but apart, above all from the British political elite, the, the ruling elite of whichever party, uh, Conservative, Labour or uh, Lib Dem. Yet, quite a lot of the debate around the EU within the UK has been driven by emotions, not facts, not uh, pragmatic events, certainly not pragmatism, but it has been driven by uh, emotions, the idea that somehow the EU is this alien and alienating machine, this kind of institutional framework uh, that creates all sorts of problems, has very little to do with a lot of facts, but a lot to do with an image that uh, political leaders, political elites more broadly, and certainly the media have been cultivating in the UK for many decades. So in that sense, in June 2016, Uh, uh, the result was very unsurprising but it was also very un-British because it was not based on facts it was to a large extent based on emotions And are you finding that any other European countries or governments are seeing similar decisions to the ones that led to Brexit here? Well what I can tell you is that there have been grievances that go along the same lines in several other European countries the point about lack of accountability or perceived lack of accountability, transparency, taking back control, enlargement and so on and so forth are grievances that exist in other countries, but there are two big differences compared to the UK. One is that the intensity of these grievances uh, uh, is different, it's weaker in most cases. And what is certainly different from the UK is that even those who make these claims in other countries end up Uh, with a different outcome, which is to stay in the EU and try to change the bits that they don't like in a democratic way. Uh, in that sense, 
the non-Brits are much more pragmatic than uh, the Brits have been in this particular case. So yes, similar comments or complaints have been made in other countries, but the way to deal with them remains through the EU, not outside of the EU. Thank you very much. And again, if you would like to book your three place at Dionysus' talk on the 28th of June, the link will be in the description below.